Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and today is November 7th. For this consumer and retail edition of Industry Focus, I have enlisted the help of Fool.com contributor Dan Klein, who is in studio with me at Fool headquarters. Hey, Dan. Good to have you as always. Nice to be here. Um, you are in town this time for any special occasion? I was uh, speaking to potential uh, college journalists. So I guess they're they're actual college journalists who want to be professional journalists. So I got to give them the scary, <laughs> you know, our profession <laughs> is not as good as it was, but there are wonderful places like Motley Fool where if you can make your way here eventually, it'll be good for you. It was actually organized by a former Fool as well. So. There you go. And today, Fools, um, for our main subject of discussion, we are branching out into the telecommunications industry for this episode, so you'll have a chance, Dan, to share some of your coverage there. Um, it's been a while since we have talked about this space, um, but I understand that T-Mobile and Sprint have been making headlines in the past several months, really, this whole ordeal. Um, those companies are the number three and number four names, respectively, among U.S. wireless providers. So before we dive into the recent news around their potential merger and how that's fallen through, I want to talk about some of the background for the two companies, um, and that will I think help once we get into the nitty gritty of the the recent news in terms of understanding some of their uh, motivations and the, the various incentives that are at play here. So let's start with T-Mobile. Um, the company I think is probably best known for two things: its CEO. John Leisure, and also its uncarrier branding, which I think has been very successful for the company. Yeah, and it's not just branding. T-Mobile has basically, like, when John Ledger took over, and he's a very bombastic guy. I always liken him to like a 1980s pro wrestling manager. Like he's he's very <laughs> in your face. He'll he'll taunt you. You know he'll call out. You know his his opposition. Um, you know he has nicknames in sort of a, a fun version of what the president likes to do. Sure. So, but what they did with Uncarrier is he looked at every consumer pain point in the mobile process. So the first big one was contracts. You'd be tied into this two-year contract. You'd have a device subsidy. You wouldn't know what you were really paying for anything. They got rid of that. The more recent ones are. Having only unlimited data, so you and yes, I know there's caveats. They slow you down after 22 sure. gigs, but that's like two percent of the audience. So for most people, completely unlimited data. So they've and every few months they come out with something new, and it, it's silly stuff. T-Mobile Tuesday is just like, hey, this Tuesday I get a free Frosty at Wendy's, but. Last month, they came out with, hey, we're giving all of our customers Netflix. So they're really trying to find a way to be different, to be a, a customer first mobile company. And it's worked. T Mobile has added a million plus subscribers for 18 straight quarters. And as John Ledger likes to say, they've had all the growth in the, in the wireless space. Yeah, absolutely. Ledger started uh, his role at T Mobile, I believe it was in late 2012. They rolled out the first. Uncarrier Initiative 1.0, what they called it at the time. Not much later, I believe it was March of 2013. So in that time, as you mentioned, the company has seen some pretty strong results. And I think customers and listeners will realize that a lot of the things that they enjoy now, maybe even take for granted when they look through their wireless bill, 
was often pushed or uh, a byproduct of the competition coming from these various carriers. T-Mobile has forced AT&T and Verizon, and to a lesser extent Sprint, because Sprint wasn't quite as evil as AT&T and Verizon were acting in some of their their no longer practices. But the big one was overages. Yep. And it's hard to quantify how much we were paying in overages because they function in two ways. There's the actual I go over my data allotment and have to pay. That was billions of dollars. But Ledger would always talk about the person who bought a too big plan because they didn't want to have to worry about it. And that was perhaps tens of billions of dollars. That mm-hmm. was just getting sucked out of consumers' pockets. So by being transparent and saying we're not going to do those kind of things, you know. T-Mobile was number four and sinking, and since 2013, now they're number three and rising, and they've been, you know, picking up momentum pretty much every quarter. The challenge is as Verizon, AT&T, everybody's prices have come down. Everybody offers unlimited. Sprint is really cheap. The challenge is how do you keep doing it when maybe a lot of those pain points are gone? Yeah. At the end of 2013, uh, which was again the year the uncarrier, I guess, program you can call it, started. Uh, T-Mobile had 47 million customers. They had a churn of about 1.7% per month. Now, as of their most recent reported quarter, so that's Q3 for 2017, reported uh, just October 23rd, they have 71 million customers. Great growth there. Their churn's down to 1.2%, seeing a very consistent progress with that kind of core metric for this industry. Um, and some other notable highlights, I think, from that approximately four-year period to note, uh, under the leadership of Leisure, uh, they've moved, as you said, f- from the number four to the number three U.S. wireless carrier. Um, of course, that gap between it's a, it's two a and huge three gap. is a massive one. So it's really AT and T against Verizon at one and two, or two and one respectively, and then T-Mobile and Sprint at three and four respectively. Uh, they've had 18 straight quarters of more than one million uh, net customer additions, which I think you mentioned, Dan. They have had compound annual top line growth of almost fourteen percent for that period, uh, improving profitability. And T-Mobile shares have gained over two hundred percent. So stockholders pretty happy with the uncarrier. Let's turn our attention now to Sprint. What have been the big themes or drivers for this company in recent memory? Because they're not doing nearly as well. Well, Sprint's doing better, but Sprint was a sinking ship. It was losing ground as T-Mobile was gaining ground, because it had no identity. It was just the carrier that's a little cheaper than AT&T and Verizon, (laughs) but not quite as cheap as T-Mobile. Sure. And Marcelo Klar, their CEO, who is willing to go toe-to-toe with with John Ledger, he sort of righted the ship, but the way he's done it is heavy discounting. So Sprint is almost always at some point the best deal. And when I say the some point, I mean like maybe it's families this week, maybe it's individuals next week. It's not they're not always the lowest across the board for every type of plan you'd want. But they generally have some crazy deal that would be good for somebody. And they do things like uh, you know, two iPhones for one and like things you're just not so they've they've returned to slight growth in terms of subscribers, but it's not necessarily sustainable because a lot of their Promotions are, you know, they sunset. So, like March 2018, you no longer pay $30 a month. Now you pay $55. And it's so easy to move now, which makes the T Mobile churn number even more impressive. It's no longer the days where moving was like a big challenge and it was like hard to get your number. Now it's very easy. You could switch cell phone providers every three months if you wanted to, and it wouldn't be that big a deal. 
So Sprint is on better ground, but they haven't spent a lot of money on their network, which is a problem. Uh, they will argue that they're within one percent of the other networks in in terms of their, and that's not really what the data shows. In terms of the coverage and the network quality. Yeah, and the reality is they're the number four network generally on most of the accepted standards. I mean, there's all sorts of different data and different ways you can parse things, but it is pretty widely accepted that Sprint is the worst, and it's going to get worse as they spent don't spend money, which is. You know, part of why they might like to be for sale. Mm-hmm. And as of the last, uh, the most recent quarterly report, Sprint, uh, they've added postpaid subscribers for nine straight quarters. Um, they did see their highest postpaid additions in company history. So, some positive marks, as you mentioned. Uh, they've also cut a ton of costs year to date. Uh, I believe this yielded savings about seven hundred and fifty million dollars. It's, it's price so as well with postpaid, though. I mean, there you know, Boost Mobile tends to be the cheapest, so they might be cannibalizing their own customer base because you can port your Sprint phone to a Boost Mobile phone with zero effort and pay less. Mm-hmm. And you know, the cost cutting efforts are definitely a focus for management right now. Um, they're Improving their profitability, but at the at this point, the company has still reported negative earnings for several years running. And on the not so bright side, the stock's down about thirty percent year to date, and quite a bit today. Uh, last I checked before we came into the studio, because the the negotiations for this T-Mobile Sprint deal are officially over. Uh, the press release from both companies came out on Saturday, and you know, the stock in general has been seesawing between. Three dollars and ten dollars per share, essentially, for the past five years, and the I feel like the cost cutting and the slowly improving business, or the the, the gradual turnaround that Clore is is working on here, it's it's a one part of the puzzle, and because as you uh, mentioned earlier, you know the company needs to generate so much cash. Any company in this industry needs to generate so much cash each year to reinvest in the wireless network to not only just match your competitors in terms of what service you offer, but then you have, for example. 5G networks on the horizon. People are already starting to test that, Buying develop spectrum. the infrastructure for that, and that's just another uh, another demand in terms of your resources that you have to satisfy. If you look at what Sprint is doing, is they're cleaning up the asset for a sale, a merger, a partnership, whatever it ends up being, and we'll talk about that later. But you're not going to make a deal with something that's bleeding customers, that's losing billions of dollars. So if you can take the loss to pretty much zero, and it wasn't so it was a relatively minor loss in the last quarter, yes. and be putting the subscriber needle needle in the right direction, you're at least showing whether it's a partner or a buyer or, or however it comes down, hey, there's a bottom here. We we have, you know, we're not going to go to zero. And there was a while where it looked like every Sprint customer was just going to become a T Mobile customer. Mm-hmm. We'll take a closer look at the deal negotiations between the two companies and how that kind of panned out. Uh, so we'll talk about that next. Support for industry focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. That's rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So now you have some high-level perspective of these two companies, where they are, and where they've been the past couple of years. So we can talk about 
the deal that just wasn't meant to be. This is the second time now, right? <laughs> so on Saturday, November 4th, Sprint T-Mobile, they pushed out the press releases announcing the end of their merger negotiations. Um, Dan, I feel like on this show, we've talked several times about these long, drawn-out ordeals. We've talked about Viacom, their leadership battle. we talked about the Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's merger being this long, drawn-out kind of saga. And now we have this last one here. Can you give us a bit of an idea of how things progressed in the past few months, how they started up, and how they ended? Well, I think... So, there are logical reasons for these companies to get together. Mm -hmm. You put their subscriber bases together, and it's about equal to either AT&T or Verizon. Absolutely. So, it it gives them scale. You can lay off a lot of customer service people, a lot of accountants. Redundant functions, yeah. You don't need two networks. There were also some major drawbacks, and I didn't want this deal to happen, because I remember when Sprint bought Nextel, which Nextel was essentially number five in the the wireless space. Mm -hmm. And Nextel used a different technology than Sprint, as... Sprint and T-Mobile are not on the same network technologies. The simplest, so your Sprint phone cannot become a T-Mobile phone. That was the case with the Nextel phone and the Sprint phone. So you're buying something that's not super easy to integrate. It's mm-hmm. not like they can just become Spree Mobile and all of a sudden it's it's one company. <laughs> I got one up on you there. We were, <laughs> we were joking about how this would be named before the show. Spree Mobile is pretty good. I was going to go with T-Sprint, but I like yours more. Uh, that uh, so. The pro- so there there were a lot of operational challenges, but the reality on this is the best deals are when one company wants out. You know they they know they have Cabela's. The Cabela's management knew they weren't coming along with the deal. They were all going to cash out, make some money, go fishing or hunting or whatever it is Cabela's management <laughs> would do. In this case, SoftBank, which is the the parent company of Sprint, wanted to maintain certain rights and control. They were going to give up the CEO post. John Ledger would have that, but they still wanted more management than what they were bringing to the table in terms of valuation offered. That becomes a very dicey deal to make. Yeah. To be clear, uh, in terms of the parties that have an interest in these deal negotiations, on one side with T-Mobile, uh, they have a their uh, majority interest stake is held by. Deutsche Telekom, with about a 65% ownership stake, I believe. And then on the opposite side of the negotiating table, you have Sprint, which is, I think, over 80% owned by SoftBank and uh, the billionaire Masayoshi-san. And so he is a, uh, he's been a big part of kind of the direction, I think, the vision for Sprint, these various efforts. And he actually tried to have Sprint take over T-Mobile back in 2014. When it might have made sense for Sprint to be the, they were still number three, they were the bigger company. And that deal fell through because the indication, I believe, they received from regulatory, uh, the regulatory body that would overlook and kind of scrutinize the deal was, this is not going to happen. They flat out said, we will not accept any deal that takes the US market from four providers to three providers. And in this case, we have a new administration now, obviously, and I believe that both parties thought they had a situation where the regulators might be more uh, friendly to the deal of this nature. Whether that's the case, again, you're going from four to three major players. I think the argument they were going to make is that Comcast and Charter are all somewhat in this or going into this space with their own sort of Wi-Fi based uh, MVNO networks, which are networks that don't own 
their spectrum. They lease it from one of the the remaining Essentially companies. Essentially piggybacking off the yeah. companies that actually have developed the infrastructure. Yeah, and I think they were going to give caveats that they would license their spectrum to X amount of players. They were going to argue that there legitimately were more choices for Americans than than the th- the three, the four, the whatever you want to call it. Sure. I don't know that that would have flown, but I I do think the reality is. You know, there were a lot of reasons this deal shouldn't happen, and once it wasn't quick, I think you kind of knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and then there is also, um, you know, I think you had mentioned this too in terms of what the combined entity would look like. You know, 130 million customers, pretty pretty much on par, I think, with AT and T and Verizon. They have about 75 billion dollars in annual revenue. Definitely a much more formidable player. The co- um, the cost savings would be extraordinary. You know? But the integration, as you said, would not nearly be be uh, that simple or that seamless. And if you're a customer, you know, and you're looking, and you are a customer with either Sprint or T-Mobile, and this deal had come together, you know, it wouldn't have been so quick for you to see improvements in your service. And that just comes from the challenge of combining two huge national networks, and but they're on different LTE technology. Because there are no contracts anymore, I think there's a very big risk. And I think we saw this with Frontier Communications, which spent $11 billion buying customers from Verizon. And when it didn't very quickly work well, they didn't get billed right, their service didn't work, their internet wasn't good, whatever it was, they just went, oh, I'm going to go to Comcast. It is easier to switch your wireless phone than it is to switch your cable service. No one has to come to your house. You can just walk into a Sprint store, and they'll give you a bag to mail it back to to T-Mobile. It's very simple. So you could have spent, you know, whatever it is in, in terms of stock, billions and billions of dollars to take Sprint's 50 million customers and integrate them with the. It's a little bit more than that, but the the 71 million at T-Mobile, and you could lose 10 percent in the first three months. And mm-hmm. I think that's what would have happened. Everybody's prices are too close together. You also would have to deal with the pricing structures are different at Sprint and T-Mobile. Are they all going to go to one? Is it you know? Are they going to stay two separate brands? That doesn't make sense from a, a, a pricing. So it it always to me made more sense for either of these brands to partner with a cable company or or someone else in an adjacent space. Okay, and we can get to that idea. So you know, you have these two companies. They tried coming together in 2014. Uh, at the time, Sprint was the larger player in, in more of the power position. I think now the Tables have turned, and T-Mobile has more of the leverage. But when it comes down to it, uh, again, SoftBank, uh, what they had in mind for a deal like this, they didn't want to give up too much control of the future of Sprint or uh, Spree Mobile. As yeah, you well, it's, it. it's also the assets. Um, so, so Masayoshi San has spending hundreds of billions of dollars. I forget the exact amount in his tech fund, but it's at least a hundred billion dollars. And all of the Spectrum assets that Sprint owns. He doesn't want to give up control over because maybe mm-hmm. he'll use it to launch a, a national, you know, over the the transom cable service. I mean, I'm just making that up, mm-hmm. but he wants to be able to pick the company clean for parts. It's not necessarily about the wireless subscribers or that business. I think he was perfectly happy to let John Ledger decide, who, you know, what the commercials and the pricing is going to be. <laughs> it's all the sort of future integration of. You know, do, do, does T Mint or Spree Mobile or whatever we're gonna we're gonna call them? Do they merge with Comcast? Do they? You know mm-hmm. that. I think those are the things he wasn't willing to let go. Uh, and I think John Ledger has earned the right to say, "I don't want a boss anymore." Mm-hmm. That and 
that so was going to be a sticking differences point. Differences on terms of what the controlling stake would look like, the ownership between the, the two companies and their shareholder, shareholders and this combined entity. And then also coming down to valuation as well, Sprint uh, stock took quite a hit in September. Um, I think it went down about 20%. And then depending on uh, the timing of the deal, you know, it could be that Sprint shareholders it's, didn't see any kind of premium it, it's in the all, merger. It's all speculation because they haven't talked about this, but there have been a lot of reports saying they weren't offering a premium, mm-hmm. uh, and it was about efficiency and unlocking value. And that's a tough one to sell. But Sprint didn't help itself by before this negotiation started. They had an exclusive negotiating period with Charter and Comcast about a partnership, a merger. They they never exactly announced what it was. But it became pretty clear that there weren't two suitors. So T-Mobile did not have to say, "We'll pay you forty percent more," because otherwise you're going to turn around and sell to I don't know McDonald's is going to buy you and use it <laughs> use it for mobile ordering. Sure, they didn't have that other obvious. And they're they're you know we'll talk about this soon. There could be somebody out there, but the reason prices drive up in these kind of deals is because oh, if you don't buy us, Amazon will. And that just wasn't Sprint is a complicated asset. Some other su- suitor, sure. So let's wrap up our discussion. Deal's no longer happening uh, off the table, as far as we know. And these two companies are going to continue to uh, make their investments, operate independently. Let's look at Sprint first. What do you think is you know, lies ahead that investors and listeners should be following for this company? Well. It won't be McDonald's, just so, and <laughs> and Spripotle is also not on the table. Um, Sprint, in my opinion, is going to be sold to a cable company. I think it makes a lot of sense if you're already in the subscription business, you already have that infrastructure for this to be another bundle. I don't think Comcast actually wants to offer a least service, mostly on Wi-Fi, vaguely not that good. Nobody wants it. Phone service, which they recently have done yeah. with Xfinity Mobile, and, I mean. and, and Cablevision did it, and and uh, Altice is now just signed a deal this week to do it using Sprint's lines. I think they're going to want to have a service they can sell nationally, and it may not be a merger; it may be some sort of exclusive partnership with an investment to take some of the the pressure off. But they also have all of the Spectrum assets, some of which are saleable if they don't need them. So I think that's going to make the most sense, and you just have to see how that industry is going to shake out. You know, are 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 Charter and Comcast going to merge? You know, like well, so the, do you see it then? Really, Sprint right now uh, is essentially grooming itself I think for Sprint, another suitor to eventually come in. Yeah, and, I think Sprint has to continue to show, even if they can eke out a profit, it is a lot easier to buy something that's revenue neutral than buy something that's that's revenue negative. So, you know, if if you're going to sell this to charter shareholders or Comcast shareholders or whoever it is, uh, I I think Sprint could do more to cut costs. They can be in more of a position to integrate quickly. And that's probably going to mean a lot of discounting, good for consumers, and a lot of bare bone staffing, not so good for consumers. Sure. And let's look at T Mobile then. They're still doing incredibly well, you know, claiming a lot of the growth that this industry is seeing overall. Um, no longer uh, combining with Sprint, what is the the big next steps with them? Just keep going with the uncarrier initiatives. It seems to be getting harder and harder to really set yourself apart. With um, that, I don't see, you know, 
Deutsche Telekom would probably rather not have to keep investing. It's been like forty billion dollars in in the last six years or something like that. Uh, I don't, in terms of the network, in terms for of the network T-Mobile. and 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 sort of building out the capacity, and that's not going to change with five G and all the other. Um, so I think they're open to a deal. I think there's also the possibility that that someone like an Altice, a company that's that's European based or one of the the companies in other parts of the world, that there might be some synergy in either merging with T-Mobile or joint operating and, mm-hmm. and and having a more global company. Again, standards and technology become a challenge there. But I think T-Mobile is in a position where they can sit back and as long as John Ledger doesn't retire, they are in a very good position to just wait for the best deal, you know, see see if Amazon or Apple wants to buy them. Okay. So you are actually see for both instances uh, you see some form of consolidation or M&A deal being potential uh, things that to watch for both companies. I don't think it has to be a cuz cuz my take was more so for Sprint for sure. The the Sprint original deal they talked about with Comcast and Charter was an investment plus essentially becoming their their wireless company. Sure. I think that type of deal is actually more logical for T-Mobile. For a healthy company to say now we're going to offer service in Mexico through Walmart or you know, those types of deals I think make more sense with the healthy company than they do with the ailing company. Mm-hmm. But there is so much negative to owning Sprint that there might be big players like Comcast more willing to have it be an investment in a partnership rather than an outright purchase. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up our discussion then for this deal. Um, we will continue to track the progress for Sprint's turnaround, for how uh, T Mobile, I guess, decides to proceed with their next carrier initiative, for example, uh, as these two companies make those announcements in due time. Uh, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Full on. 